Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. First off, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast, but you'll also receive a special supporter package. Today I'm joined by Micha Filet. He's a fellow Slovenian Ruby developer, but lately he's been traveling a lot. So we talked about that, but also about his many hobbies and interests. Everything from skiing, motorsports and cooking, to mental well-being and therapy. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Here's Micha. Hi Micha, welcome to Parallel Passion. Hi, what's up? You tell me. <laughs> it's uh, it's weird introducing another Micha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I avoided uh, saying your name. So... <laughs> Um, so, uh, for, for those that don't know you, um, can you like, uh, describe, uh, who you are and, uh, what, what do you do? Uh, sure. So, um, it's a bit weird, uh, describing or defining myself, but by my job, but, um, that's what most people do. So I just say I'm a Ruby programmer. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know exactly, uh, because if I'm going to start to, to describe now, uh, what I do, uh, it's going to be a monologue. So let's maybe uh, <laughs> leave that for for later. <laughs> well, you're you're the guest, right? Not me. So <laughs> as long as you're doing the man- the monologue, uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, actually, um, the first thing I wanna I wanna touch on is that um, we know each other obviously because uh, you're a Slovenian and we um, met several times while I was still making my Ruby <laughs> user group meetups. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, I haven't seen you in a while, and uh, I know you've been traveling a lot. So um, why don't we start there? Like, why why did you start tra- traveling? Uh, when was that? And uh, let's let's go from there. Uh, well, hmm, let's uh, let's start by uh, my most recent uh, travels. I guess um, the, the reason I started traveling uh, about a year ago um, is because uh, we moved out of our apartment uh, in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to go to uh, to Prague, and we didn't know exactly for how long. Um, and we just uh, booked an Airbnb for for our first month, and then uh, we figured out we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Um, and so we were there, and we found a second place uh, to stay after that. Um, and we weren't really um, happy with the with the, what was available. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end, we settled for a place that was only available, available for uh, two and a half months because the owner was um, in Italy for that, for that period. And uh, after that, we kind of decided uh, we don't want to stay in Prague anymore for various reasons. Why did you pick Prague in the first place? Mm, so uh, we kind of both like, so I'm talking about my uh, girlfriend and I, we kind of both like uh, the, Czech Rep- the Czech Republic mm-hmm. and uh, just the thought of Prague seemed seemed cool. Like no special reason, really. Um, we've been there a few times, um, and we were both both uh, fond of it. So mm-hmm. we went there to start, and we said we can always uh, move if we don't like it. And yeah, so basically that's what uh, happened uh, after uh, three months or and and, and uh, a bit, and we decided we don't want to stay. And um, since we didn't have a um, an apartment. Uh, like in Slovenia, to to uh, go back home to, right? Uh, we decided we're going to just uh, keep going. Um, but we also knew that uh, Sanya needs to be in uh, in Slovenia for like the end of the year. 
so we couldn't uh, we didn't want to move somewhere like semi permanently at that time. Right. Uh, so we did a road trip um, through Sardinia and uh, Corsica. Then uh, we decided we'd like to spend the winter in uh, in Italy um, because we both like skiing and we like the winter and snow and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went uh, into the mountains and we stayed there until April. Uh, and then in April, uh, we decided we <laughs> want to go visit some friends in, uh, in England, in Brighton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we did a, a, a short trip around Cornwall. And now we are here in, uh, in Belgium. So basically, no, like, no real uh, reason. We just keep moving around uh, as we uh, think of something that we'd like to see and, and we go there. It's really interesting because the past couple of guests I get, I had, uh, they were all saying like, "Oh, we don't like winter, so we we go to like Thailand or ah, to like yeah, yeah. Grand Canary or somewhere." Just it's a common sentiment, yeah, <laughs> yeah, far away. And you were like, "Oh, let's spend the winter in in Italy because we like snow, we like skiing." Yeah, um, it's uh, it's really special for us. Um, and okay, well, there is there's the cold, but you can dress appropriately appropriately for cold, right? Mm. While uh, it's hard to dress appropriately for uh, like uh, hot weather, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but we it's, it was something we we were uh, thinking about doing uh, for a few years now, but it somehow didn't pan out. Um, at first, we didn't start planning uh, early enough um, because you need like a, a place to, that's uh, we need someone that's willing to uh, to rent you the place, right? Um, then it was uh, too expensive, and then this year finally we found a place. Um, it was maybe, maybe it was a bit cheaper and maybe we also got used, uh, to the idea of uh, paying a lot of money <laughs> to, to stay in the mountains. And uh, so, yeah, it, it panned out, uh, and it was really great. Um, yeah. And, and you know, like when you're in the mountains, the, it's a bit different, uh, like winter, uh, com- comparing winter in the mountains to a winter in the city, it's a bit different because in the city, like you get snow and then maybe two days later, Three days at best, everything starts becoming uh, brown and gray and, and slushy and, <laughs> yeah. and disgusting, right? Yeah. Um, but in the mountains, it's different. Like you have the white snow uh, around you, um, and it's nice. Did you always like to ski? Because um, I, I don't know. For some reason, I thought that's more like a um, North Slovenian sport. Not so much. Uh, not so popular in the region you're from originally. Uh, yeah. Well, it. It is kind of a national sport, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that uh, the region I'm from is, is immune to it at all. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of people like to ski and, and my family was uh, always like that. Okay. Uh, so I, I learned to ski at a, at a young age. And uh, then when, around, when I was around 18 years old, uh, I got my license uh, to be a ski instructor. Ah, cool. And so during my high school and student years, uh, that's how I made a, a bit of money. Uh, although it was like, uh, even if if I had to do it for free, I would probably still do it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then once I had a job, like I didn't, uh, I couldn't take uh, vacation days just to go uh, teach skiing. It didn't make sense. So uh, the amount of skiing uh, was reduced greatly. At that point, uh, but I still like to go whenever I could, uh, and that's also why uh, this year, or, or we wanted to go somewhere where we could stay the whole winter, because you go for a week and then you go maybe for another week, and then the winter is over, right? Yeah, yeah. And those two weeks were already 
quite expensive by themselves so yeah and and this winter um well this year the winter was um really bad at least here i don't know how it was in italy but oh yeah it was crappy it was crappy we were waiting for the first snow to to appear until uh, first days of february mm. and that was basically the only um the only decent amount of, of snow that we got until uh until the last week uh <laughs> before we left <laughs> there was uh, another meter of, of fresh fresh snow <laughs> yeah and that was it for this winter yeah here it was really like almost no snow i mean there like a, a couple of times but really really not that bad so you just have the downsides of the winter which is the cold and like short days yeah exactly exactly like at least give me some snow so make this worth it <laughs> <laughs> but the people who um take care of the of the slopes uh, are really good um like they they even the, the small amount of snow they they make it last and they make artificial snow so mm. uh, it's possible to ski um the entire winter were you ever interested in uh boarding or just skiing just interesting interested um lasted for about i don't know two seasons mm. when i finally uh, got to do it and then i broke my arm and then i <laughs> never did it again <laughs> no but it was it was uh, there was a period where snowboarding was cool right well i think it still is <laughs> oh yeah uh, well, i don't know man. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not saying it's uncool right but um there was a, a period where everybody was moving to to snowboarding and, and yeah. i think skiing was just seen as like uh something that's gone right uh and but then uh carving skis came along right yeah. and they really invigorated uh, skiing um it's really it's really fascinating like to go a com on a complete tangent but do you know the story behind carving skis no they were actually invented in elan which is a slovenian company yeah i know that yeah. like a long time ago and the management was like no like this is stupid we're not doing this because if this would work other companies would have done it and the guy was like well it obviously works like it, it's good we, we we've proven it and everything they were like nah, no one else is doing it so we're not doing it <laughs> and then other companies started doing it like several years later so it's like it's a story of missed opportunity <laughs> <laughs> definitely it's really sad anyway to, to go back you said that you um you went on um like by by car from from prague to corsica and and all that um yeah yeah and um did you do you have a van or just in in your car did you pack everything in there how did you how did you travel uh so the car is actually not that big even maybe a bit small uh but we packed it like full <laughs> as much as we <laughs> well we didn't have to leave anything at home but it was like really uh, really packed I even had my iMac with me. Oh, wow. Uh, how, yeah. How? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I made it work, right? Because I, I really like working uh, at my iMac. I don't like uh, laptops very much. Mm. And so it means a lot to me. Um, so, I, yeah, we just we just made sure that <laughs> it's going to fit. Mm. We had to reduce some other stuff. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't have it with me then after that in Italy because uh, we were uh, moving every week. Mm -hmm. But in, in Prague, we stayed uh, stationary for a month and then for, for uh, three months. So that it made more sense there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm back on the iMac bandwagon as well oh, yeah. because I, I needed a new computer and the new MacBooks just uh, are not, uh, like I'm not using that keyboard. No, thank you. I'm jealous of your <laughs> iMac. <laughs> and I, I got myself an iMac and yeah, I, I do like this thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's also about uh, posture when you're working. Mm -hmm. um, I had some issues. I still have them. 
uh, like working on a laptop uh, is killing me. And uh, so whenever I can, I, I try to, to use uh, an iMac. Yeah, I got myself a standing desk. Um, I, I will put it in the show notes to, to plug my friends who are making them, which are, they're really nice. And um, I thought I won't be using it much. Like I thought like it's good to have it, but I probably won't be using it much. But I use it all the time. Like I do pretty much all my meetings standing up. I read my email standing up like I use it a lot and I, it really has helped my uh, posture and just like overall feeling. Uh, I don't know how you can travel with a, with a standing desk, but um, <laughs> it's... Uh, I'm going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're stationary, um, it's, uh, it's a very worthy investment in, in like personal well-being. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Uh, I, I, mi I miss mine. I, I sold it uh, when we moved away from Slovenia um, and I miss it. And uh, speaking of well-being... Um, I know you're also interested in, in mental health. Um, and uh, do you have any like personal experience with therapy? Or um, like you, you put this in as a topic you'd like to discuss. So I would like to um, know more about like uh, what's, the, what's the backstory there. Yeah, sure. So um, let's uh, start, I don't know, way back. Uh, I don't in the, even remember when. But I heard from people who went into ther uh, therapy And they said uh, they didn't expect they, they needed it, but they're really glad they went because it helped them a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I heard this a few times. I don't know if it was uh, Twitter or it was a conference talk or I don't know where. Mm -hmm. And it kind of stuck in my mind. Uh, and every once in a while, I heard this idea. And so I always had it in my mind that someday I'm, I'm going to go. Like, I don't have a reason, but I want to go because I'm sure that there's something I can improve, right? Right. And uh, so uh, my girlfriend was, was going to therapy and uh, one day the therapist said that I should come in. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I was planning to go anyway. So might as well, right? That's a perfect, perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started going and it opened like this whole world of, of things that are happening inside me that I didn't know. Can you can you give an example without being too personal? I guess. So I'm not too, too worried about being personal, but it's hard to describe, I think, or hard hard to understand if you don't uh, if you don't live it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that everyone everyone's head is different from the inside, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and so it might not resonate with people, um, but for me, it's um, the therapist showed me uh, my behaviors that are like um i didn't know about them but it's like uh i'm feeling unwelcome or um that i need to uh that i feel that i need to fulfill other people's expectations and if i don't uh, i feel guilty mm -hmm. and i had no idea this was going on oh okay right like completely clueless not not even like i'm pretending i don't know like mm -hmm. i didn't know and it took me several sessions to even start noticing mm. That that was the the, the most mind blowing thing about it. Yeah, and then you probably start noticing the behavior, and you're like, right, I am like that. Yeah, but when I started noticing that, noticing that, uh, things didn't start going better for me. Like, uh, let's say, um, my f I didn't start feeling better. I started feeling worse mm. because all of a sudden I noticed, I noticed, started noticing everything, and it just. Uh, It made me feel bad. 
because now I was noticing stuff, right? Right. So, so therapy is not really is not really helping. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's helping in the long term, but I guess the, the saying applies here that sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been, I don't remember how long since I started going to therapy, but I, I'm starting to feel now that maybe now I'm like, it's the trend is going upwards now, mm-hmm. but it's been, it's been more than a year. And are you doing it remotely now with the therapist or did you find a new therapist? Uh, no, I just go whenever I'm in Slovenia. So oh, okay. um, sometimes it's uh, like every month, sometimes it's every three months. It depends. Are there any practices that they uh, suggested you do that like um, are applicable to a wider um, audience, let's say? That, that's, that's interesting you asked it because... You would expect there would be, right? Yeah, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, at least, at least my my therapist uh, doesn't give me like I don't know, ten ten breaths or I don't know, do yoga, do meditation, right? Mm-hmm. But there are things that I find on my own that that help me personally. In terms of uh, like uh, things that I have to do, it's like it's maybe um, next time this happens you you need to react and don't be passive about it because let's say being passive is how would i would react uh in the past mm-hmm. uh, but uh, now i need to start acting differently and if i don't change my pattern of behavior i'm not gonna start getting better so i i that i get a uh, homework like that let's say can you can you give an example of um practices that, uh, that you do yeah so i'm fine i'm finding out um that there are certain things that i can do to to improve my um to improve how i feel mm-hmm. but i also found out that doing these things just if your goal is to feel better uh in the long term these techniques are not going to help you because you're not fixing the root problem right mm-hmm. so for example uh if i go back to before i started doing therapy i was practicing meditation Right, uh, and I got into I don't know after a few years, uh, I was like really happy and really proud of uh, <laughs> how I was able to uh, meditate and relax mm-hmm, w- mm-hmm. with uh, this technique. Right? Did you follow any program or app or anything like that, or is just um, by the book? So kind of like with uh, therapy, uh, I also heard from various uh, sources that this is something that can greatly improve uh, your well-being. Right, mm-hmm. and so um, at at first, my, my first, uh, let's say, real meditation session, I just sat down and I tried to do it for, for 10 minutes and I couldn't do it, <laughs> but I guess it's normal for, for the first time. Yeah, of course. Um, but then uh, after a while, I uh, started uh, going to, to yoga and we were doing uh, meditation as part of yoga once a week. And so there I learned some like uh, very useful techniques like uh, how to breathe how to sit and like the, we had we had a let's say a specific procedure that we followed it was uh, guided meditation right mm-hmm. and that's where i learned the the basics let's say the basics let's say because before that um it was i found it really hard right and even guided the first two or three times you mostly just think about sitting how you cannot sit mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah it goes like that and then slowly you get into it um and then i also a friend told me about uh, the headspace app which i uh, someone already discussed on this podcast no oh, yeah i i think it's uh, it's really popular it's either headspace or com one of those two come up yeah exactly 
And uh, it was actually quite interesting how similar the two techniques were, like very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that I learned uh, from one applied to the other and, and vice versa. And so I was, I was doing this, uh, let's say, more or less daily. Uh, then it depends, like, if I was to, to travel somewhere, then your routine can, can get messed up. But let's say I was doing this daily and I felt really good about it. Um, and I was proud of how I can, like, uh, relax on demand, right? Yeah. But then when I started going to therapy and uh, as we discussed, all, all these uh, things that started happening, uh, all of a sudden, meditation didn't help. Hmm. And in fact, it seemed that it was making things worse because when I was meditating, uh, all the all the bad feelings I had in my body, and the feelings are always in your body, uh, they, they seemed to get worse during meditation. So I actually stopped doing it for a while. I just felt uh, it wasn't being it wasn't productive anymore. Interesting. And now, yeah, and now uh, only I don't know a few months ago, uh, maybe not even that, uh, I started doing it again. Uh, and now it, it's helping me again because uh, I'm not just using it less like uh, a mechanism to uh, relax on demand, right? I'm using it also to understand maybe maybe I, I've I have this bad feeling in my body and I don't know where it comes from and I can sit down and I don't sit down because I want to be relaxed, but I sit down because I want to understand what happened. And do you do you keep a journal or or anything like that? Um, like that the therapist suggests. Um, writing down things when something happened or how do you analyze yourself and uh, changes you're going through? So my therapist didn't suggest anything like that. Um, I did start keeping a journal just uh, for, for therapy mm -hmm. because sometimes uh, I, I come there and I know there are things that I want to discuss, but maybe at this moment I don't remember them. So it's really useful to be able to to look up right mm -hmm. um and also when i told my therapist uh his that i'm keeping notes he said oh, okay like he didn't say oh that's great that you should be doing that right <laughs> like, like i said before there's no <laughs> he's not giving me like any prescription pres prescriptions past uh, like the most uh immediate homework that i have to do so yeah, that's yeah. interesting and uh, so yeah i do keep a journal but it's um specifically for for this and i i did try to um to journaling before but i never really like looked into it uh, very much so it didn't stick with me and also it didn't feel um, like the thing that i needed to be doing at that moment mm -hmm. uh, and i'm sure i'm gonna come back to it in the future when when let's say the higher priority items will be taken care of i'm sort of sad that i didn't start doing it earlier um we mm -hmm. discussed this a bit with um with the episode with nate and miriam and many others i guess now yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, it seems like um journaling is uh, getting popular again and uh, for a good reason like i know for myself personally that uh, it, it improved things a lot or at least i feel maybe maybe if i go to therapy they'll tell me that like i'm doing i'm, I'm much worse than i really am <laughs> but um, not. at least yeah <laughs> At least uh, how I feel, um, it's the the five minute journal is the one that I practice, and it literally just takes five minutes uh, a day. It's it's not much, and um, at least subjectively, I have a feeling that it has a it has a huge impact on on my life um, overall. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good starting point. There are many others, but I think this is a a good starting point for everyone because it really just takes five minutes, and it's. It's quite easy to start and it um, because you're supposed to do it in the morning and in the evening, 
it's easy to build a habit. Like when you wake up, you write it, and when you go to bed, you write it. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's much easier to build a habit when it's linked to an event in a day. Yeah, definitely. Like every every day you're gonna wake up, and every day you're gonna go to bed at some point <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> i mean uh, maybe when we were younger uh, that wouldn't be true but no, <laughs> yeah uh good times <laughs> <laughs> um what what are uh, the things that you practice now for um for mindfulness um i guess you started meditating again is there anything else you're you're doing well i of course meditation is like uh, as a practice it's important Mm-hmm. But it doesn't help if you all you do in in your day is I don't know ten fifteen twenty minutes of meditation in the morning, and then the rest of your day you like you're not you're not uh, mindful of of anything that happens right right um, and the way I am it's I can um, really get on on an autopilot and, and do things like uh, in a non mindful way let's say uh, in an absent way mm-hmm. maybe it's a better word. Mm-hmm. and it really helps me to it doesn't matter what i do to remember that uh, i need to do things in a more mindful way and be uh, be conscious of the feelings that are going on in, in my body mm-hmm. because if i ignore them which is what i've been doing for basically all my life then uh, i'm not doing myself a service and and in in a, if not today, maybe in two days, I'm gonna be feel I'm gonna feel terrible. So whatever I do, uh, I yeah. Well, okay, I can, you cannot say that whatever I do, I, I will do uh, mindfully because I'm not a yeah, Buddhist yeah. monk, right? But but you try, right? Yeah, yeah, you try to at least remember. Maybe I don't know. I'm gonna go cook something, and I'm gonna not gonna listen to a podcast, and instead I'm gonna just cook my meal, and that's it, right? Because mm. I, 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 I'm the kind of person who would love to, uh, let's say, listen to podcasts, uh, like, I don't know, between every activity or during every activity. Um, but that sadly is not like uh, very good for me if I, if I do it too much. Yeah, I, I think I'm in that boat, but I, I don't, uh, maybe not yet, maybe, maybe after I go to therapy, but I don't consider it bad. Uh, for me, it's because um, uh, I mainly listen to podcasts when I run and um, yeah, yeah. F- for me like i'm i'm combining um this um something good that i'm doing for my body with just like i guess news consumption which is not that good probably for my head but i, I enjoy podcasts like it's it's fun no but but i believe you because uh, for me it's i think it's a personal thing that i'm um just i have this behavior that i'm used to to like put myself on autopilot mm-hmm. and listening to to podcasts uh makes me be that way it's or makes me makes it even harder for me to realize that i'm going on autopilot right and and is this uh, autopilot mode something that your therapist noticed or um is this like a recent development or have you known about this uh, for your your life that this is how you work yeah so it's something that we uh we talked about in therapy and the therapist said this like um a defense mechanism Mm. so when there was uh, something going on and I didn't like something that was wasn't uh, something that I wanted, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't do anything about it. Uh, like just going on autopilot and let's say zoning out uh, was uh, a, a defense mechanism for me. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it is tricky. It's tricky. Let's go back to a lighter topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you you mentioned um, like just in passing before that you um, when you go cooking and um, I I know you enjoy cooking. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, is is this something you've always enjoyed doing, or is this like a recent uh, or semi recent development? I've always enjoyed doing it, but only recently. Let's say I don't know a few years, maybe at five years at most. Mm-hmm. It's that uh, I've consciously uh, decided uh, I want to do more of it um, and uh, just, yeah, I got into it a bit more. And cooking for me is like a, a happy place. It's uh, when I, wh- what I can do if, like, if, if things get hard, I know that I can go and cook something uh, without a podcast <laughs> and that it's going to like uh, make, make me feel at least tolerable and um do you cook similar meals every time or do you like to experiment and try something new i definitely like to experiment but don't of course you don't have time every day to like uh, look up uh, a new a new recipe mm-hmm. and so it it depends a bit um i sometimes i i find find like uh, something uh, i see something that i want to do and i note it down and then at some point I will go and check uh, check my notes and I'll pick something and I will try it. And then if you do it uh, enough times, then like you know it and then it's part of your repertoire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- where do you find the inspiration? Like do you watch videos on YouTube? Do you watch the 24-hour cooking channels? Um, like wh- where do you find things that um, you're like, oh, I want to do this? Yeah, so the, uh, YouTube definitely... Um, but even though I don't watch a lot of YouTube, uh, like a uh, cooking channel or two, uh, is what I, what I, uh, watch regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, then maybe like some other, uh, shows about, about food or maybe it's something I eat outside or maybe it's something I hear from someone. Um, or maybe so- sometimes like you get an idea and then you go to Google for a recipe and then you find five, uh, links. That leads you to uh, to other to other things that are completely unrelated, but uh, <laughs> you found something something very cool. And is there a particular cuisine you enjoy the most? Um, I wouldn't say that they ha- I have like a favorite cuisine. It changes with time, uh, and as you learn uh, more uh, techniques, then mm-hmm. like when you learn something new, then that's gonna be like the focus for for the next uh, few months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Like for example. Uh, Last year, uh, I got a, a sous vide machine, mm. uh, a precision cooker, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, then for the next few months, like everything was uh, was sous vide, <laughs> <laughs> whether it made sense or not. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is that we are geeks. Like when you get a new toy, you want to play with it and you want to yeah, do everything course, with it. <laughs> of course, uh, and especially like uh, in general, I, I like. Uh, gear of of any kind and so when i can combine cooking and and gear that's uh, (laughs) that's gold for me yeah i understand (laughs) yeah and on the topic of uh, of inspiration um we also um sanya and i we we watch um master chef professionals okay which is a show that's on in in the uk only like it's not like the regular master chef which is more like a reality show let's say yeah Uh, and that's not something that i can watch because uh, like a focus is on on making drama when when there is yeah, none. Of course, I mean it's a reality <laughs> TV, right? Yeah, uh, professionals is a bit different. There's more focus on the food, and it's for me it's really enjoyable to watch. Like n- not that I can actually make anything that they make, mm-hmm. 
but still like it's very inspiring and it, and it's very fun to watch and so we just uh, watched uh, a few months ago we watched uh, the last season which was from 218 and then after we finished watching it uh, we went to to get the the second to last and then we watched that and now i i <laughs> finally managed to get my hands on on the 2016 uh season which was very hard to get so i don't think we're going to be able to get the 2015 one <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe you should move to UK or um, ask someone that's there to to get it. Yeah, I was there, but for some reason you can uh, you cannot get episodes older than I don't know, ninety days or something. So interesting. Yeah, how is uh, baking bread related to this? Um, is baking bread a, a part of cooking, or is it a completely separate endeavor? It's uh, it's a part of it in the sense that uh, it's also like my happy place, <laughs> uh, and I enjoy doing it a lot. Uh, it's different in the sense that a loaf of bread doesn't make a meal, right? So, uh, well, it's the, the <laughs> well, yeah, usually it doesn't make a meal. Let's say the the purpose is different, but otherwise uh, it's the same. I still like enjoy uh, learning uh, techniques, and there's a lot more practice I found with making bread, uh, and also the process is usually much much longer, especially. Um, the recipes that i like mm -hmm. and they usually uh usually need like a 24 hours to, to make a loaf or something like that so do you do like a sour bread or uh, a regular one yeah i saw so when when i have like a uh, something i can go, i can call a home for at least a, a few weeks mm -hmm. i do make a sourdough starter and so mm -hmm. i can make mm -hmm. uh sourdough bread but uh, right now i don't so i just make whatever i can And usually the the first thing that we when we come into an Airbnb is I check the kitchen and I see what <laughs> what's available what, what I can make is there an oven is there like a, <laughs> I don't know the um, is there a bowl right <laughs> so uh, and if we, if we are to stay uh, at least a few days like let's say I don't know five days then I, I will try to make a loaf of bread a loaf of bread if it's uh, if it's possible and do you cook together or is it uh, just you alone in the kitchen like leave me alone i'm i'm working here <laughs> uh yeah it's mostly like that uh, <laughs> i mean it wasn't always like that but since i discovered that i like this um i volunteered that uh, i can do it like i don't know let's say five days out of seven mm -hmm. um and uh like my girlfriend was felt guilty about this Uh, but i think that uh, slowly she got used to the idea and now that she lets me do i think <laughs> <laughs> so uh how did you start uh with bread and all that like most things with me i had this idea <laughs> sitting in my mind and then one day i finally said okay i'm gonna try it and i wanted to start uh with sourdough bread like my first thing i did uh, i wanted to be a, a sourdough loaf mm -hmm. um but turns out it's like baking bread it involves a lot of techniques and you need to learn them and it's kind of hard to learn them all at once <laughs> and so the thing it, with baking bread is you cannot really fail at it because almost anything you make will be edible <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i challenge you try it you'll see at worst if it's uh underbaked you you put it in a toaster and that's it it's fixed <laughs> And a, fr a fresh loaf always tastes amazing, at least like the first two hours. So you cannot go wrong. Right. And so, yeah, I tried I tried doing this and there were just uh, too many variables and I couldn't master it. And so I lost interest for, I don't know, a few months. Mm -hmm. 
but then I stumbled upon a um, YouTube video about uh, a technique that required no kneading. Um, it's basically mm. you just put all the ingredients in a bowl, you mix it a bit, and you let time uh, do its thing. Huh. Like uh, in between eight and twenty-four hours, you have a you have a dough, and you can make a loaf of it. Right. And so I did that. I did that a few times, and it was really easy because there's not much to mess up, right? You, you, and you get used to how uh, a good dough should look like. Mm-hmm. And when you know that, like, it's one thing you learn. And so it's not like five things you need to learn, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when you know that, then you can start, like, doing more, uh, like, let's say, a regular bread when you uh, add yeast and you knead uh, a few times, and then you bake it, let's say, in two hours. And then I got the hang of that, like... Uh, I started to understand how the dough should feel when you need it. And there's then, then again, there was something that uh, I learned and so I could incorporate it. And then I slowly, I built up to, to the sourdough uh, starter that uh, I do now. Uh, because at first, if something didn't succeed, I didn't know if maybe my starter wasn't alive right. or if maybe I was messing up with the technique. Right, right. You don't know who to blame. Yeah, exactly. Now that I had the technique down, uh, if the if the dough didn't rise, then I knew that it was the the starter that was uh, was not alive. Let's say maybe not not as strong as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, uh, now um, I, of course, like probably like any hobby, it's uh, the, the amount of things you can learn is like really really wide. Um, I'm doing like my the kind of bread that I like. So and and what kind of bread is what kind of bread is that? I, I do two kinds of bread. I do a, like um, regular loaf, um, and I do a kind of bread without any yeast at all because that's what uh, Sanya likes. Mm-hmm. But I like like the regular kind, and I use um, spelt flour for her, and I use uh, bread flour for me. Mm-hmm. I like bread flour because it's very strong and it makes like a really strong. Uh, gluten structure which means it's it will be able to like support um the, the bread when it when it rises and it rises nicely and it and i don't know it has a kind of texture that i, that I enjoy let's say mm-hmm. uh, and if you if you google uh making bread you will probably uh find out about uh, dutch ovens like dutch ovens are very useful for cooking i don't know braising meat but they're also really, really good for uh, making bread. Because um, the thing with bread is that you, it needs um, moisture at like, let's say, I don't know, first 20 minutes of baking. Mm-hmm. The bread needs a lot of moisture. And so the Dutch oven is able to provide that because it has a lid. And, but also uh, a Dutch oven is um, usually made of uh, uh, iron or some kind of heavy metal. Uh, or maybe sometimes it's ceramic. But in any case, it has a lot of weight which means it's able to absorb a lot of uh, heat. And so you can preheat it in the oven. Right. And then when you throw the, the dough in it, it is able to transfer a lot of that uh, heat into mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, dough really quickly. And it keeps it stable, right? Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't uh, let the temperature drop suddenly when you throw it in. And then it keeps the moisture in. And then uh, after 20 minutes, you can uh, remove the lid and then it will finish uh, finish baking. Mm, interesting. If if I had a like a, a wood <laughs> wood fired oven like I have in a pizzeria, it wouldn't be a problem. But since I only have a regular oven, then uh, <laughs> this is like a, a neat trick. Mm-hmm. And do you ever add like um, any any sorts of weird stuff in it? Like I just recently had a, a 
Brad from Ure, who was also on, on this podcast before, um, made with uh, beetroot. Oh, um, it, it was really interesting. Like it actually tasted like like beetroot, um, and it was red. Um, that sounds cool. I I don't do that, uh, but not because I'm opposed to it. It's just because like I'm I'm working on my uh, basic skills, and maybe someday I, I will get to that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but for now, uh, my breads are actually quite uh, quite uh, simple. I guess the the most uh, let's say unorthodox for me things that thing that I uh, did was uh, I tried to make uh, um, to put uh, oatmeal in the dough mm -hmm. and. Uh, It looks, I, I don't know exactly why. I, I guess that uh, the oatmeal, like, it's uh, for, for, the, for, for the yeast, it's really good uh, food. And so the, the yeast is really happy when you give it <laughs> oatmeal. And so <laughs> uh, the bread rises in a really nice way and the texture is like really soft. Um, this is something I tried this winter. Uh, I had a lot, lot of time to, to make bread. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was my, one of my uh, favorite discoveries. Another thing that I actually did not know about you until you mentioned it is that you're also interested in motorsports um, and, and karting and, and that. Um, so how come? I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's something that I don't, uh, let's say, uh, I don't tweet about it. I don't Instagram it. So yeah, I, I understand that you wouldn't know. Um, but uh, I have a group of friends and whenever we can, we, we go karting. Mm -hmm um and it's something we uh, we enjoy a lot i was always kind of interested in motorsports in general like from a young age i remember we uh, used to go most weekends we would go uh, like on a trip with my parents and i was uh, sad because i would be missing like the formula one race <laughs> <laughs> actually i still remember the day that uh, senna died it was like on a trip and i was really angry at my mom because <laughs> she made me go on a trip and i didn't uh, didn't see uh, when it happened as we record this today lauda died you know that yeah yeah i heard it this morning oh man like speaking about lost legends yeah exactly so yeah i was always kind of into motorsports um, mostly following uh, as, a, as a kid um but uh, yeah then I, i got into into karting as well uh, but when i say karting you, you have to keep in mind that this is uh, like a rent kart which you can uh, just You go there, you pay uh, 12 euros and you, you have minutes of fun, right? Mm -hmm. But if you, if you have like a, a group of friends and you're already uh, closely matched, it's really, really fun. Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, it's like when you see, I don't know, a Formula One race, which usually most people will say it's, it's boring, right? Because the cars are, let's say, I don't know, five seconds apart. Yeah. But what you don't see is what those two people are doing to keep it five seconds apart. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and I guess it's a failure of, um, The, the way that the races are broadcast maybe like uh, i don't know the technology is not there yet but i'm sure you could you could do uh, you could do a much better job of it i don't know if you if you watched it but there is a documentary on netflix about the previous season of formula one yes yes, yes i will yes. put it in show notes and that is absolutely amazing It's done in such a way that I think that even if you don't care about Formula One... I, I'm really happy that you mentioned this because that is like a good example of what I meant. Yeah. Because when you watch a race uh, and they're, I don't know, like the leading car or leading two cars, they, they make a big gap and nothing happens. But behind there is like all, all this stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and even if it's for seventh place, like the, the people are still going at it. Yeah. And yeah there, there are stories there and there, there are like details how how things happen that we never get to know except like when they 
make a documentary like this or maybe there's a book right yeah and a lot of it is like politics and people might say that that's boring as well and yeah like it is but in in that documentary it's um it's shown in such a good way uh, it's called drive to survive i'll put the link in the show notes but i i really recommend people check it out even if they don't care that much about formula one um, because it really shows uh, how incredibly advanced this sport is like how incredibly advanced these cars are yeah i agree and keep in mind though that like not everything is completely true because it is after all a reality show yeah ironically but uh, yeah it's uh, i agree it's very interesting yeah it, it's also just from the pers- from the technical perspective i think it's interesting enough um yeah, but I, you know, it's gonna be like when you have to make a watchable story, you make a, a couple of creative decisions, and like <laughs> exactly, you show one part of the story, not the other, or like whatever. Um, but I think uh, it's still done in a, in a really good way, and the visuals are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Also, also makes you realize like how much we are missing on uh, missing out um, when we watch the, the broadcasts, because clearly you can see that. Uh, they have much uh, much better uh, footage than they they show or at least than what we get yeah depends how you watch i guess were you ever interested in actual racing like other than karting um like our friend yure for example yeah i i i am interested but um i'm not pursuing it actively Mm -hmm. because it's uh like it's an expensive copy yeah (laughs) yeah it's expensive let's say i'm not uh, willing to to commit (laughs) what's uh, required yet yeah making bread and cooking is much cheaper (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and uh one one thing that's cheaper as well is uh sim racing Mm. i put my resources and time towards that and i can get uh, for the same money i can i can get uh quite a lot out of it like it's of course it's not the same yeah but for me it's still very fun and i'm still hoping that maybe someday uh, i will do some kind of racing i don't know but i'm not willing to commit myself to that mm. and what kind of uh setup do you have do you have like a vr and, and all that uh no vr yet and actually right now i don't even have a wheel because when i uh when we uh moved out of the apartment i, I sold my wheel uh-huh. I, I kept my pedals because mm-hmm. they were nice <laughs> <laughs> um as but yeah I, when i when once we uh settle again i'm definitely gonna get uh, a wheel and, and uh some vr glasses yeah i guess it depends whatever's uh whatever the technology is gonna be at the time uh, but yeah it's it, that's a, a high priority for me mm. also uh something I, i'm keeping in mind like when we get a new place there needs to be some space <laughs> for my <laughs> for my for my racing rig because um at our previous uh place uh, i kept everything in our um living room and so when i was done i had to put stuff away so we could like watch a movie right and then when i needed, wanted to to race again i needed to bring everything out and so yeah it wasn't ideal yeah, I experienced the full uh, rig with uh, it's like VR and the thing that like moves up and down and braking and steering and everything, like throwing you around, mm. uh, like the proper simulator actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, on a on a racetrack that was supposedly like laser scanned or something, uh-huh, like uh-huh. it really felt real. Like you can, it shakes you up really bad. Uh, you, you you think that like the tracks are like really smooth and whatever. But supposedly, because you're going that fast, it's like it's it's really uncomfortable to go that fast on even the smoothest of surfaces. And did you did you um, feel sick uh, because of the VR glasses? No, not at all. I've never, luckily, I never had these problems. Um, some people do, um, especially uh, supposedly women, because they 
uh, interpret space differently than men do, and most of people de- developing Oculus are unfortunately men. Yeah, and, and therefore, like, it's really it works well with men, but not so so well with women. Yeah, it's still something I I don't know um, how it will go with me. Uh, so I'm hoping <laughs> I'm gonna be fine. Otherwise, I'm gonna need to stick with monitors, which is not ideal. Yeah, but this technology is improving a lot. I think VR is is progressing really fast now. Yeah. You mentioned before, just in passing, uh, social media and that I wouldn't see it there. Uh, and I see that you got quite proficient in Twitter, but uh, have sort of disappeared from Instagram, which is the exact opposite of what I've been doing. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'm wondering, is there like a reason behind this? Are you uh, moving away from one, going to another, or are you just moving away from social in general? Uh, not intentionally. Um, so Twitter for me, it was like, I never tweeted a lot, but there are periods when I maybe, I don't know, tweet a few things and then it looks like that I started uh, using it more, but it's just it's just random, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I do always uh, follow Twitter quite regularly. Like maybe I, I don't do it for two days, but then eventually I, I catch up. And so I um, trim my timeline accordingly. So if I see that I'm constantly behind, uh, I will try to unfollow some people. And if I see that uh, maybe I'm checking it more often and there's no content, I will follow more more people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been using Twitter more or less like this since uh, always. Yeah, me too. And I've I've come I've come down to like under one hundred uh, people I follow, and even that I don't know. Like I guess about a year ago, I just stopped reading it and started scrolling past it. I just I don't know. I I just stopped. There is no reason why I stopped. Um, but I just did, and I don't post there anymore. Like there's, yeah, when there's Eurovision or whatever, yeah, I make jokes. Like it's fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're all participating in this uh, comedy that is like um, when following live events. That's fun. But uh, otherwise, I think that just Instagram stories have completely taken over my um, uh, this like instant consumption. I guess that Twitter used to be that. I get my Eurovision news from you, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Instagram, on the other hand, it's, um, again, no uh, intentional decision. But I have started using it less. Um, I don't know when it happened. Um, I, maybe when they uh, changed, when they switched away from the um, chronological timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that's uh, clicked with me. And once they messed it up, I don't didn't feel like uh, yeah. coming back. It was really bad for uh, a cup, like for when they introduced it mm-hmm. but now you get that like um a really nice visual cue to show you like ah oh, you saw everything and um ever since then i actually prefer it because then if i don't have enough time i only see the things it feels i should see which yeah yeah i mean it's scary how how precise the algorithms are i don't know how it works but like it works pretty well yeah did you see the the video of that uh, chimp no no i didn't <laughs> It didn't. Okay, I I, I don't know like uh, the the story behind it, but there was a video of a uh, chimpanzee using Instagram, <laughs> and uh, like you could I, I I'm guessing I don't know it for for a fact, but I'm guessing that the the account uh, of the chimpanzee was even like uh, feeding feeding the monkey the what it was more will more uh, what what it wanted to see, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. 
yeah funny and scary at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. the the way it picks up things at top it's actually good and when i do want to see all i do see all nicely and i know when i'm done like it shows you the nice check mark so while i hated it at first i think the way they tweaked it now it's 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 okay but for me it wasn't like a, a con- conscious de- decision or like um i didn't do it out of spite mm-hmm. uh, like ah, oh, you changed it i'm not gonna come on instagram again right because yeah, I, yeah. I can I, I i'm known to do things like that <laughs> but in this case uh it uh it wasn't that um but i just yeah i didn't felt like coming back for some reason and and then i forgot about it it probably also helps that i moved um a lot of apps uh, like twitter and, and uh, instagram away from my ho- from my home screen mm-hmm. so uh, i don't um my home screen is not the things that i use more often but it's the things that i want to use more often mm-hmm. And so I, I buried uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and uh, other things into subfolders on the second screen, mm-hmm. and I only access them uh, via search. Mm-hmm. So it's like a more deliberate thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not like okay, I'm gonna pick up my phone. Let's see. Uh, okay, I'm gonna quick click uh, Twitter just because it's there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've been going here for quite a while. So let me uh, end it on a traditional question: um, What would be three things that made a lasting impression on you or like changed your life and and this can be books or articles or whatever like three things that made you who you are all right um it's hard to say that like um a book or or something has had like a that big of an impact of me on me mm-hmm. but uh one book that um i think has changed uh how i think to some extent, is uh, thinking uh, fast and slow. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to <laughs> pronounce the, the name, but we can put it in the yeah, yeah. in the show notes. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that I'm sure that you've read it, right? I, I read it a long time ago, and I think I forgot about it. Um, and I re-listened to it this past summer, and it was really fun because on the beach I was going to, there was a Swedish couple, and he was reading the same book, and I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> look at you reading the same book. <laughs> cool. And then there's another book that uh, I know that you weren't uh, a fan of, but I really liked it, and it's uh, Sapiens. Yeah, it's funny you bring it up because just now I'm reading his, uh, I think it's latest book, like 21 Lessons or yeah, whatever yeah. is the latest one. I'm reading that one, and again, I'm like grinding my teeth all the time. <laughs> but because you disagree, or there's there's something else that you don't like? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe that's a topic topic for another podcast. But um, yeah, it's a sapiens. I I I don't know. It it's hard to put my finger on it. But yeah, I did not uh, I did not enjoy it very much. I guess. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, for me, um, thinking uh, the thinking book was like um, I think something that really uh, affected how I think like I try to remember the lessons when I have to like make a decision you know Mm -hmm. maybe I don't know buy some insurance right yeah Um, but sapiens I don't remember if there is like something that really affected my life but it was one of the uh, few books that I can remember that like blew my mind constantly like every chapter had something and i was like whoa right and that's why it stuck, <laughs> yeah, stuck yeah, with me yeah. and that's yeah that's why i'm recommending it yeah maybe i'm affected because just before reading it i read uh Dept, the first five thousand years mm-hmm. which is very similar like going through the history of a human and how we um went from credit to debit society on and back and back and forth mm-hmm. like which again um like you like my mind was constantly blown and maybe the the problem was that I just read this one immediately after, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I read that. Oh yeah, oh, that makes sense. 
maybe it's that like i don't know maybe maybe it just hit me at the wrong time like okay i have to read that one as well okay yeah that that one i i recommend yeah oh yeah maybe now because you read this one first you won't like that one <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> then there is also um getting things done oh yeah um which had an impact on me in the sense that uh i finally have a way of structuring my my tasks that uh, works for me because i was trying to keep uh, to have a system for a long time um but there were like i always felt guilty about it mm-hmm. and this book uh to me changed the way i think enough so that right now like if i'm at least, like, I don't do it regularly. I don't uh, do a weekly review every week. That was my follow-up question. Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if I do it only every two weeks, it's, like, still it's very useful and I don't feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the most um, memorable thing is that the system um, gives you a glance at the things you're not doing, right? Right. What, what it is that is important and I'm not doing. And so you have a look and you see, ah, okay, it's okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to survive, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those to prioritize things that are uh, important over things that feel urgent, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is hard to do for us people for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a, a bonus pick. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, you asked me about uh, my inspiration and on, on uh, YouTube, my biggest, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that... The channel I like to follow the most is uh, Chef John. I don't know okay. if you heard about him. No, I, I was expecting you to say Cooking with Babish because that one's like really popular. But yeah, this I didn't. No, know. I haven't seen that one. But yeah, Chef John for me, it's uh, I don't know. First, he's very funny, and like I could watch, I can watch the videos like almost indefinitely. Yeah. Um, but secondly, like the techniques are really useful because in cooking, it's not so much about for me. Uh, I, I think that's in general. It's not so much about the recipes, but about the techniques, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned so many useful things, um, and I, I keep watching the videos. And if if the recipe is not useful, and I'm not gonna make the dish, uh, I still had fun uh, watching the video. I've I've heard similar things uh, about cooking with Babish. Like so I feel like that sometimes when I just scrolling uh, on TV, which is rare these days because I'm just on Netflix. But you know, you're you're going through TV, and then you find some I don't know. Um, Jamie Oliver or um, I, I don't know Heston Blumenthal or someone just cooking mm-hmm. and you just you, it's just, they're just enjoyable to watch just like yeah yeah, yeah. and it's re- it's like recorded really well it's edited really well it looks yeah that's the thing amazing. like food photography and cinematography they, yeah. they know their stuff <laughs> yeah 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 well uh, great thank you for the um, uh, suggestions and the bonus pick <laughs> um, and uh, thank you for for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been uh, my pleasure um, as well. And I, I've, I've like I've been planning to have you on for a really long time, and I don't know why it only happened now, but uh, I'm glad it did. Anyway, so um, thank you again, and uh, yeah, goodbye. Thanks. Bye. All right, this was my interview with Mika. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you will truly make my day if you post a review there. I get direct messages, but no one else sees those. Reviews and shares on social media are there for everyone else to see, and they help other people discover good shows, like, you know, this one. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything else that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also financially support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash 
That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D or open the show notes and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find this show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at ParapassPod on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 29. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.